This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia during our monthly Goer Sender Coalition. I mean, if you'll join me in 1 Kings chapter number 19, we'll spend the remainder of the night in 1 Kings chapter uh, number 19. And I can say with that song that he is my ever-present help in time of need and that he has made me glad. I can say tonight that um, knowing him is better than life, as I said in the book of Psalms. And I am thankful for anybody in life that will help me know my Lord better. And that's the role of a mentor is not to be known better by somebody. That is a byproduct of you spending time with them getting to know more about Jesus. Because it's not our job to make replicas of us because we don't need more of us. We need more of him and this world. But as you spend time together, people begin to take on your characteristics and get to become like you. They said when they saw Timothy uh, that they knew uh, that he had been around Paul because of the way they act. They said they knew he had been with Jesus because they loved one another. When the disciples weren't sure they were looking at Jesus, it said that he broke bread and they said, that is him. That is the Messiah because they could tell by the way he moved. They spent time together that they knew who he was. And so as mentors tonight, as every one of us ought to be in the life of somebody, we ought to not be teaching them about us, but we ought to be pointing them to Jesus. And those of us that are are blessed enough to have somebody in our lives doing that, we ought to be thankful for it. And so tonight I say I am thankful for 20 years of people that have mentored me from the age of nine till now. And if it wasn't for them um, showing me about Jesus, I don't know. I would not be able to say he's an ever-present help in time of need and that he has made me glad. I would not be here tonight. And standing behind the pulpit is not the greatest thing, but I am a Christian that understands that there is joy unspeakable found in the riches of Scripture and in Jesus. And I would not have found that on my own, but by God's Word and people instructing me, I was able to find that. And I am so thankful for it. I sincerely mean this, and I mean this as no disrespect to my brother. My brother is denied in jail. He'll be there for two years. And I told the pastor, I said, if it wasn't for this Holy Spirit's work in my life, and then the Holy Spirit's work in his life through him to me, that my plight in life or my fortune would have not been any better. And I believe that. You ever seen that picture? I'm sure you have with the turtle up on the fence post. And it says nobody gets here by themselves. And um, if you are anywhere, learn anything, you have people to be that you are indebted to and you are grateful for. And I look across this room and I know some people that know the, the word of God. They know the joys that are found in scripture that you have been taught And now we have a responsibility to teach others. I've been loving our study in the book of John. We'll be there on Sunday morning. We're going to look at how he doesn't replace sorrow with joy, but he transforms sorrow into joy. But something I've learned to love about the disciples is they have a lot of questions. Always asking questions. Even at the end of John 16, they say, We know that you say you're going to speak plainly to us after the resurrection, but would you start doing that now? They're saying, you speak in Proverbs, would you speak plainly to us? And I can just see their personalities coming out, and they have um, all these questions. And I have questions, too. I'm thankful to have the Word of God that has answers. And my lifelong pursuit is to know Him more, to enjoy His presence in my life. And I believe that is true of you and here as well. So we'll look at the story in 1 Kings chapter number 19. But I'll tell you one just real quickly before uh, we get into our reading uh, for the night. 
And uh, two ladies had uh, quotes that they were going to read tonight, but for time's sake, um, we're, we're going to skip that. But the story I was going to tell was something I put on my blog this morning um, as a tribute to mentors, and specifically uh, my mentor in life, which has been uh, Brother Austin. And Aaron Bayshore, missionary in Morocco, um, I was in a great um, institution that was training me for ministry, but I was looking for a mentor, somebody that would pour their life into me. I didn't know that word. There's a lot of words I, I didn't know, um, but that was one of them. And I didn't know the word mentor, but he said there was a person that had spent time with him that was helping him learn how to study the Bible, know more about Jesus, training him for ministry in Peru. So he told me about a website called world-evangelism.com. So on my Christmas break, I went home and I logged into that website on my dial-up internet, uh, which for some of you think that makes me old. And for the rest of you, you're like, if they had internet while you're in college, you're young, okay? I'm in the middle of these two groups. And so um, as I begin to listen to to this message about David and his arm bearer and how he dreamed and he discovered and he determined to live out a dream and how it was mathematically impossible that Jonathan and his arm bearer would get up to a place between literally between a rock and a hard place. There's no place of turning back and the odds were against them. And they said, if God does something, something will be done. And if he doesn't, then we're goners. There's nothing here. And I just thought in my heart, that's where I want to be in life. I don't want to live where my flesh can take care of me and perform. I want to be in that place, but I knew I wasn't. I knew that I was overachieving in my flesh and that I was just staying where the bar was low. And I wanted that so bad and I wanted somebody to show me. And I listened to that. I remember kneeling down there and crying out to God and say, God, would you give me somebody that would charge into a battle and I would be happy if I could just carry his sword. And I found when I went and met Brother Austin, and I unapologetically am tributing him tonight as, as a mentor in my life. When I found him, uh, he talked about having a Christian camp that we just had uh, for college students. And I thought, ah, great, I will get to sweep the floor at that camp. I'll do whatever. He says, have you ever thought about you guys? You're telling the group of college students, you could start a camp. You could lead a camp. And he dreamed for us. And that, was, that changed my life. It really changed my life. And I'm thankful. And I want to be that to some some teenagers and to some college students and to other dads like myself. I want to be that. I want to be available. I want to. I don't know what kind of email Scott had that binged or whatever uh, when he gave his testimony. But I want to be the kind of person when they write and said, "Are you available?" I want to be there because that's what the Bible calls us to be one to another. It's found um, in our scripture. So David and the arm bearer erratically changed my life. Hearing him and with. Um, with about seven months later, I was down in Peru, and I'd heard that message, and I told him how much it meant to me. And a group had come in. I don't know if David would remember this. I think he was four at the time. Uh, but uh, no, he was much older. Uh, but a group had just come in, and uh, I told Pastor how much I loved that message. And I said, why don't you preach that message? I was already giving him uh, orders of what I think he ought to do. And he said, why don't you preach the message? And a group came in. I never got to preach much. And I stood there in front of that group and preached some rendition of it. Um, I'm pretty sure I got everybody in the wrong place. And my heart about beat it out of my chest. But he he told me that day that he believed in me and that he was going to help me. And I think all he did was let me know that I needed a lot of help. And I'm reminded of that often. And I get that occasionally. And tonight, from you looking at me, I will be glad to sit down with him again and continue to get training. First Kings chapter number 19. 
verses 15 through 17. And Jehu the son of Nimshu shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat of Adelon shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 of Israel on the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed them. So he departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shabbat, who was plying with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again for what I have done to thee. And he returned back from him, and he took a yoke of oxen and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and he gave unto the people and they did eat then he arose and went after elijah and ministered unto him something i noticed about two years ago when reading through this in my bible i'd heard this passage preached on before but i had not seen that god had given elijah the name of elisha he said you're going to go forth he said this person is going to be king and this person is going to be the next prophet and when you go forth you're going to do this work and elisha is going to do this work and i never noticed that before even though it probably had been said when it preached i just did not catch it and as i thought about that i realized the fact that you and i are not given the name of a person that we are going to pour our lives into, but we are given a command to go into all the world. Just as Elijah, Elijah had been told by God, you need to go thence from here and depart and go find this person named Elisha, we are told to go into all the world and teach the gospel, preach the gospel, baptize and continue to teach all things. I know you and I would like to know the name of the person. If his name was Elisha, I'd like to know that he's at the dry cleaner right down the road and his name is Tom. And he's waiting for me to come by and share the gospel with him. But he has given me a command to go into all the world. And I don't need a name. I just simply need to know what he wants of me. And King Jesus says he wants me to go and find Elisha. And that he wants me to impart my life and give all that I can to him. And he wants that for you. Jesus, after spending 40 days in fasting, the temptation there... It said that he was praying and fasting, and it's after that time in the book of Matthew, if you're reading it, you find that he goes and he calls the disciples, that God spoke to God before he went and found the disciples. So first, I just challenge you quickly out there. There's somebody out there that is waiting upon you that you would give their lives to. And as Scott had said that he had tried looking for somebody else, there's people in this room and said, I've tried to invest my life in the people and they haven't been interested. Well, as in Scott's story, he just needed to keep looking because he found somebody that did. And in your story, you need to keep looking because there's somebody out there, a faithful man and woman who was like me as a 19-year-old who said, that's what I want. That love they have for Jesus, that desire to serve in the ministry, that's what I want. What you have, somebody is looking for currently and actively in this world and believing that God placed you here in this church. We believe he did this in this community, that there's somebody out there today that needs you and wants you to show them from the word of God. And parents, as it was said by Brother Chris so well, parents, you have <clears throat> such a big influence in the life of your young people, of your um, children. It said that in 2 Timothy 2.2 that we commit unto faithful men. 
and that we are on the faithful men building business, parents, and youth ministry in the church, that you cannot make them faithful. That's a spiritual decision on the inside. But I do know that Elisha, as he was plowing the yoke of the field and as he was busy doing his work, and it seems that there's a large property there. He was on the 12th oxen there, which means it's a large piece of land or the really little oxen. I'm going to say that it's really a big piece of land. But parents, the discipline that they were learning put him in a place where he had the disciplines in his life and the spiritual faithfulness was a heart decision that was made. But we ought to help them. We ought to help get the distractions out of their lives. We ought to keep Jack away from the guy who's standing on the log from the video that's saying, hey, I can show you how to make it rain. Because there's plenty of people out there that want to invest in young people and they will spend time with them and they will pay attention to them if you won't. And can I tell you, an older generation speaking for a younger generation, because I'm a dial-up and they're the fast speed and you're no internet, okay? I stand here in the middle. Can I tell you that they are craving attention and whatever group of people are going to give it to them, that is who they will become like and that's who they will rally around. And so we must be those people. An invitation to follow Jesus will only be accepted by someone who is willing to leave all. Did you hear the way the verse said it? It was so neat there. It said that he took the instruments of the oxen. These oxen were not miniature ones that played tuba, all right? They don't have real instruments here, but it means that when they killed them, he took the hip, he took the different bones, he created a barbecue, he created a grill, if you will, and he had a barbecue farewell, which was to say, this old life of mine that I had is no longer. I can't go back to the number 12 oxen and get on it and plow the field anymore because number 12 oxen became a barbecue for all of my friends, and I'm ready to move forward. And as Brother Paul said so well in the discipleship process, Jesus came after people, he came unto them, and he says, you have to be willing to leave all that you have and follow me. And that's what we said as disciples. In Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number 28, that's what the disciples say. They say that we have left all. They're talking to Jesus there. In Matthew chapter number uh, 10 and uh, verse number 28, um, if you'll pull that up for me there, Bo. But it says here in Mark uh, 10, 28, as the disciples who are, would differ from those that would be in John 6 or in different passages, um, they would say, we're not willing to follow you. You have said something and we're not going any farther. But Peter said, begun the same, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. That's what we say as believers. Jesus, we're willing to leave all and to follow after you. And those that are going to follow you in the discipleship process can only be people that have made a commitment to follow after Jesus and to leave all. Because if people are unwilling to follow you, I mean, they're unwilling to follow after Jesus, but they're willing to follow after you, then where are you going? Think about that. If people have no commitment to the things of the Lord, they have no desire for the things of God, but they can follow after you, then you're not taking them anywhere they need to be, and you're not taking a walk that you need to be taking. We are in pursuit of God, a hard pursuit to know Him. He's showing us in the Word, and we invite people to join us um, in this journey, which is what Elijah did there. And it's, uh, it's amazing how he did that. He goes, he throws the mantle on him, and he begins walking. He doesn't even slow down. He said, this is where I'm going. This is the work that I'm doing. Do you want to come with me? And Elisha in his heart said, what you're doing and where you're going, I want to go with you. And there's no turning back. That's what we are called to be um, as disciples. Uh, this week I was at the Atlanta Bread Company. 
And no, I did not order a pizza, as I told some of you I did. I don't hardly order any food there. Uh, but as I was there studying, um, I um, was over, overheard a conversation, which I do quite often. And as I was overhearing a conversation, it was a man and a woman. They attended the same church, which is common uh, there, having a conversation. And this man was a future planner financially, and they were sharing what they were doing inside of their church. I don't know the whole story. But it illustrates the point I want to make tonight, what I heard. And he said, what are your future plans and what is it you want to do? And he said, she said, I would like for my husband to be able to play golf a couple times a week, which is a good thing to do. I'm not any good at it, but if I was, I'd probably want to play in retirement a couple times a week or something like that. And I want to make sure my kids can go to any college that they want to go to. And the man, they were from the same church, he said, well, is there anything else that you'd like to do? He was really setting her up. Remember, we just talked about the church and we talked about the things of the Lord for the last 30 minutes. And now we're talking about your future plans and what you want to do. Is there anything else that you would like to say? And the lady said, nope, that is it. I want my husband to be able to play golf and I want my kids to go to any college. I don't know the lady. I don't know the full story. But I do know that is not part of my future plan alone. Those are good future planning ideas, but that is not the full story. She ought to be looking for somebody. She ought to say, before I leave this life, I would like to impart what I know about Jesus unto another person. I would like to help with a kids program so the kids can grow up in the nurture and ammunition inside of the Lord, inside of my church. And there are so many things that weren't said that I wish I could have said for her. And I pray as a believer, she had those in her heart and I didn't have them. But what do you think about as your future plans of what you would like to do. And we do not want anyone following us, as I said. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Other times he just said, follow me, because he knew he was confident, he was confident that he was going to follow Jesus. Then my last point before I pray here, invite others to serve with you. It's not simply passing of information, but it is inviting people into your life. We'll know that Elisha will be later on to be called the man who poured the water on the hands of Elijah. That became his first job as he followed after him. But Elijah knew that he was not living life for himself, but he was serving the great God of heaven. So he had no problem inviting somebody in to serve alongside of him because he knew that he was not doing it for himself. And can I challenge you in here to realize you're not, don't be self-seeking. You know, so many people in here believe that you're a self-made man, and I thank you, and I think that's great, but that doesn't help me any, and it doesn't help anybody else that you're a self-made man. Could you stop and recognize that people have invested in your life, and now you have that same responsibility to invest into another group of people the same way? I'm not self-made. I have had help, and I'm looking for people who do not want to be self-made that I can show from the Word of God what He has taught me. And you can only disciple to the extent that you understand that you have been discipled. And some of you have been kind of a pipeline discipleship. You were involved in a church that did programs, and you kind of bounced from here and there, and you got different things, and nobody just focused in on you and said, I'm going to help you get from point A to point B to point C in your life. And you understand that that was not the biblical way that was designed for you, that an older man was supposed to instruct you and to be a spiritual father in your life. And you know, as I do, the hardships of those years when you don't have anybody who is concerned about your prayer request and all those things. And why would we want that for a younger generation or for anybody else? Let's take pay attention. 
We don't know his name out there. We don't know her name. We don't know how old they are. We don't know if they're plowing an oxen or if it's Tom working at the dry cleaner. But I'm confident that God has somebody out there for me that I can invest my life in because he gave me a command to go. I also know that I'm indebted so much because I have learned and gleaned so much about Jesus by so many people in my life, and I want to be like that. And I also know as a disciple of Jesus, I'm willing to, I've given up all to follow after him. And there's no future plan that I have that is greater than being obedient to him. And I know that's what I want from my life. And I believe that's what you want from your life. So the decision tonight is simple. There'll be no invitation. I'll ask you to pray there um, in your seat. But would you make a commitment to not just play around and to flirt with the idea of discipleship and mentoring? If you say you want to be involved in the Great Commission and world evangelism as a goer and as a sender, if we send a missionary to the field, if we send you to the field and you get busy in anything and you do great works, but you do not disciple and teach the Bible into another group, then your ministry is not complete. It is not what you were sent there to do. And sender, if you stay here and you don't get involved in that work, it doesn't matter how much support you provide for somebody else, you have a personal responsibility to be committed to discipleship. And I want you to ask as Jesus did. I want you to pray and say, Heavenly Father, I know you're not going to give me a name tonight as you gave unto Elijah, but you have given me somebody in this world and somebody in this church, somebody in my family, somebody in this community that I can pour my life into. And tonight I want to make that decision and I want to be serious about it. And I will make a commitment to not only be a disciple from others, but I will mentor those that you put in my path. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you for the example of other people in life. But Lord, I want to be involved in this disciple-making process. Lord, I want the joy of seeing somebody that I've led to the Lord lead others to the Lord. Father, I want the joy of seeing my prayers answered. And I want the joy of seeing other people see their prayers answered. I have been blessed with so much in my life, Lord, when it comes to mentors. And I do believe that those in this room feel the same way and that they are indebted. And they are grateful tonight for those that have invested um, in their lives. And I pray that tonight that they will make a decision as they're sitting there, that they will mentor and they will find somebody that they can share the gospel with, they can see baptized, and they can continue to teach the gospel in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. For more information, log on to www.visionbaptist.com where you can find our service times, location, contact information, and more audio and video recordings.